Hare Krishna. I welcome all to Everyday Chant Harinam Conference Call. Today we are very fortunate to have His Grace Sundaranand Das Prabhu um, to enlighten us on verse 9 from chapter 4 of Canto 5 of Srimad Bhagavatam. Hare Krishna Prabhuji, please accept my humble obeisances. Whenever you are ready, please take over the call, Prabhu. Yes, thank you, Mukhi. Yeah. Hare Krishna, all the devotees. Uh, thank you for joining. So, we'll start with the Mangalachana prayers, invoking the blessings of Acharyas and uh, Supreme Lord Himself. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Narayanam Namaskurcha Naramcheva Narutaman. Devim Sarsvatim Yasan Tatojayam Mudiraye. Nastaprayeshu Bhadreshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhavata Sevaya. Bhagavati Uttamasloki Bhakti Bhavati Nastiki. So, Namavishupataya Krishna Tastaya Bhutale. Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Nityanami. Namaste Saswati Devi Gauravani Pracharani. Nirvishayashunavadi Pashata Vesatarni. Vaishi Krishna Chaitanya Prabhuni Pranamda. Sriyadveta Gadadara Srivasadi Gauravakta Vinda. Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare. Hare Ram Hare Ram 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Ram Hare Ram 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Ram Hare Ram 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 Hare Hare Okay, Omajnana Kamiranda Shad Nanandana Shalaka Shakshur Mintam Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Hare Krishna Prabhuji Your volume is a little bit low Okay Mm-hmm. If you can come close to the phone, thank you. Sure, Mataji. Yeah. I'll, I'll speak a little louder also. If you let me know if that is still low, and then I can adjust accordingly. Yeah. Okay, Mataji. So, thank you, thank you, Rupini Padmati, for the opportunity to read Bhagavatam and share Nan Bhagavatam uh, today. And thank you all the devotees for uh, making your valuable time uh, for studying Srimad Bhavatam like this today. And um, yeah, let me let us go through the verse and then we can discuss uh, Srimad Bhavatam. We are in uh, Srimad Bhavatam, Canto 5 and the chapter number 4 and text number 9. So the title of this chapter is The Characteristics of Deva. So we'll read the verse. Esham Kalu Mahayogi Barto Jestas Sreshta Guna Asi Dienedam Varsham Bharatam Iti Yapadisanti Word for word translation Esham of whom Kalu indeed Mahayogi a very highly exalted devotee of the Lord Bharataha Bharata Jestaha the eldest Sreshta Gunaha qualified with the best attributes. Asit was Yena by whom? Idam this Varsham planet Bharatam Bharata Iti thus Vyapadisanti people call. Translation and purport by his divine grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Sri Rupada. Sri Rupada ki jai. So, translation, of Rishabdev's 100 sons, the eldest named Bharata was a great exalted devotee, qualified with the best attributes. In his honor, this planet has become known as Bharatavarsha. Purport, this planet known as Bharatavarsha is also called Punyabhumi, the pious land. At the present moment, Bharatabhumi or Bharatavarsha is a small piece of land extending from the Himalaya mountains to Cape Kamarin. Sometimes this peninsula is called Punyabhumi. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has given special importance to the people of this land. Bharatabhumi te haila manusya janma yara janma sadhaka kari kara para upakara. Quote, translation for that verse from Chaitanya Chaitanya Adilila, 9th chapter, 41st verse. 
one who has taken his birth as a human being in the land of india bhartavarsha should make his life successful and work for the benefit of all other people the inhabitants of this piece of land are very fortunate they can purify their existence by accepting this krishna consciousness movement and go outside bharat bhumi india and preach this cult to benefit the whole world so so did the translation one more time of rishabdev's 100 sons the eldest named bharata was a great exalted devotee qualified with the best attributes in his honor this planet has become known as bhartavarsha so it's a nice verse and before we dive into this verse we'll just briefly discuss the context i know you were reading every day sequentially that's a nice thing people recommended that we read through both on sequentially uh, one verse after another one canto after another uh, go like that and he assured us we'll become pure devotees we'll become purified as we go through similar bodhan sequentially like this so now uh, in the canto 5 um, i will give you brief overview only uh, i'm sure other devotees who started canto who started this chapter also gave some context so it's always nice to see the verse in a particular context where it's coming in then we can understand the meaning and appreciate the meaning also uh, well and also when we know the flow of simit bhagavatam when we keep the flow in mind also it helps us to understand properly and appreciate simit bhagavatam well so in this context so simit one fifth oh maybe i'll start there uh, simit bhagavatam is one of the mahapuranas and uh, mahapuranas have all 10 topics uh, of simit bhagavatam in complete full all the 10 topics they describe so now uh, it is described even though all those 10 topics are covered in different places and different cantos but each canto has certain main themes that they cover that main topics that they cover it doesn't mean that they don't have other topics but they cover that main topics prominently for example in canto 5 the two main topics are covered one is visarga or the secondary creation uh, by brahma and the prajapatis and the second topic that this topic comes up to 10th chapter and then from 11 to 15 chapter the last portion of its canto it talks about sthanam sthanam means the positioning of the different planetary systems within the universe like that that's what is describing the later part of the fifth canto but the first half is describing about uh, or not 15 actually i got the numbers wrong till 15 chapter is describing about uh, nisarga and then 16 through 26 is describing about the geography or the sthanam portion so this is elaborate canto and with nice past tense uh, and we hear bharat marath past tense is the most prominent past tense that's coming up that's where we are going towards uh, from about 7th chapter to 14th chapter is a lots of uh, big past tense bharat maharaj in in his three lives is described but before that context wise in the previous cantos of shrimad bhagavatam uh, third and canto third and fourth cantos we heard about the dynasty of swayambhumanu and specifically we heard of how swayambhumanu had uh, uh, two sons uttanapada and prevata they were the two sons of uh, swayambhumanu and then he also had three daughters three daughters name were uh, akuti prasuti and one more name let me see if i can see it quickly here yeah they described earlier basically in the third and fourth fourth canto uh, descriptions are were, were given yeah devahuti akuti and prasuti are the three daughters yeah so third canto primarily was discussing about devahuti's descendants we heard about a couple of dev like that and fourth canto it started with akuti in the first chapter and then prasuti 
later Prasuddhi's descendants are described. Basically, Swayambhu Manu was the first Manu uh, in the first Manvantara. We, we all know like Brahma uh, has within one day, which is also called Kalpa. There are thousand Divya Yugas. Each Divya Yuga is like four Yuga cycles. That means Satya Yuga, Shreta Yuga, Dwapar Yuga and Kali Yuga cycle is called Divya Yuga. So thousand Divya Yugas are there in one day of Brahma, which is called Kalpa. So within this one day of Brahma or thousand Divya Yugas, there are 14 Manus who rule the planet. And out of these 14 Manus, the first Manu was Vayambhu Manu, who handles up to like 71, around 71 uh, Divya Yugas. That reign of Manu is called Manvantara. So during that Vayambhu Manu Manvantara, so before describing all the aspects in the Manvantara, so Vayambhu Manu had uh, three daughters like we discussed and two sons. So uh, how did they produce descendants? What are the key things that happened in that uh, in their ruling? How did Supreme Lord appear in their dynasties? Like that is being described in the third canto, fourth canto so far. He described about the three daughters dynasties and then Uttanapada dynasty. We know from Uttanapada dynasty, the main prominent personality we heard was about Dhrumaras uh, and others were also there like Prithumaras but it was also prominent like that. Uh, Anga Maharaj like that we heard and then King Pachinbari also came in that line with Tanapada's line and now in 5th canto he shifts the focus to the other son of Swayambhu Manu uh, Priyavrata actually he described Sugadeva Swami was eager to describe about Dhrumara's past tense that's why even though Priyavrata was the elder son he started describing about Uttanapada's uh, line first so now he shifts to Priyavrata's line so when he switched to Priyavrata's line, uh, he described about uh, Priyavrata in the first chapter of this canto and how he was uh, exemplified, exemplified the sacri uh, spirit of sacrificing his own desires and to being obedient to the order of the superiors and basically he did not want to run the kingdom, he wanted to be as an ascetic uh, like that. But still, he accepted the kingdom on, on the request from Brahma, Swayambhumanu, and even Nardmani like that, finally. They all appeared to request him to rule. And then he accepted it. And then he showed, he also showed how devotees can achieve great things because they are surrendered to Supreme Lord. So that we heard by, he created with his chariot, even when there is a night time in one part of the world, he actually uh, went with the chariot around the sun by expanding himself and then he created the daytime there also when the night was supposed to come and then seven oceans and seven lands, seven islands he created and he gave them to his children like that we just heard also and then after that in the second chapter of this canto we heard about Agnidra who is the son of Prayavata and then he was also a few devotee but somehow because he was conceived when Priyavrata was in Lusty, uh, Lusty at that time, he was a bit desired to go to Pitruloka. But then you know, later he also was uh, attracted to a uh, celestial lady, dancer, called Purvachiti. He married her and he got nine sons headed by Nabi. Nabi was his elder son. And then we heard how Agnidra also went to the same planet as her after death because he was attached to her. Remember, wherever we are attached to and whatever we remember, whatever his consciousness is consumed with, that's where we attain the next life. So that's what we heard about Agnidra in the second chapter. In the third chapter, we heard about Agnidra's son, uh, uh, so who was Nabi. And uh, Nabi actually desired a son as good as Supreme Lord. It is described, even though he is desiring a son like Supreme Lord, that is considered a material desire. But then Brahmanas prayed for uh, prayed to Supreme Lord. And because of Supreme Lord's merciful attitude, he came personally as an incarnation of Nabi as his own son like that. And then and then now that was in the third chapter. So now we are in the fourth chapter. So where Nabi's elder son, Nabi's son is Rishabdev. Who is the incarnation of Supreme Lord? So, the chapter title is The Characteristics of Rishabdev. 
So we are describing about uh, how Rishabdev was so exemplary in his character uh, being in the incarnation of Supreme Lord and we are hearing about his characteristics. So in the first few verses of this chapter, uh, so, so just to recap, we heard about Prayavrata Maharaj who is coming in the dynasty of Swambhu Manu and then after that we heard about his son Agnitra and after that we heard about Nabi his son and then after that we are hearing about Rishabdev who is the son of Nabi and the first three verses of this chapter we heard about the qualities of Rishabdev Maharaj how he exhibited the symptoms of Supreme Lord himself and he had great detachment he had sense control and his equation, equal vision like that and then uh, he was named as Rishabdev because uh, Rishabha means best of the human beings so like that we heard and then uh, uh, Indra's envy towards Rishabdev we heard and then 4th to 7th verses we heard about Nabi how even though uh, he had the material desire of having a son he was attached to the son but because he was relating with the Supreme Lord as his son and he was um, with his Vatsala Rasa with his parental affection then he also perfected his life that's what we heard in the previous set of verses now this section we are in is from 8th to 19th verses. This section describes Rishabdev's exemplary character and his sons. So now the last verse was prominent. It was very quick in the last verse that you were discussed yesterday. That uh, it discussed how Rishabdev did performed ideal Brahmachari life uh, as part of Varnashima Dharma. And then uh, he also accepted Brahmacharya and he lived in Gurukula, like ideal Brahmachari and then he gave Guru Dakshina to his Gurus also described and the last verse also described how he uh, performed ideal Grosta life also that means married life also he accepted a wife called Jayanti who was given by Indra it seems and then he carried out ritualistic activities ordained by the as according to the scriptures that is the key point not whimsically but he performed his duties according to scriptures. Sruti and Smriti both are uh, indicated. The is prominent why Smriti is being described because Smriti means Puranas and Nityasas come into Smriti and they are also considered part of Vedas and they actually give uh, uh, the essence of the Vedic scriptures in a simple way, in a story form also. So then it's described then he begot a hundred sons similar to himself like that is described in the last verse. So that is the context. So context is uh, Rishabdev's exemplary character and his sons are being described in this section. Now we get in, we deep dive into this particular verse, ninth verse now. In the ninth verse, so this was describing out of his 100 sons, Rishabdev's 100 sons, one son, the eldest son is being described here, out of his 100 sons. So eldest son, his name was Bharata. And what is he being described about his eldest son? Uh, he was a great exalted devotee. So that is the first thing being described. He is described as Mahayogi and prefers translates that as very highly exalted devotee of the Lord. That is one aspect being described. And then because he is a great devotee, the second aspect is Shreshta Gunaha. He is qualified with the best attributes that's also being discovered by Bharat Maharaj so we hear in Srimad Bhavatam I forgot which canto um, basically probably in this canto itself probably in the Siddhi teachings I do not remember there is a verse called uh, verse that talks about how uh, devotees because of their devotion they got all the qualities of the demigods whereas uh, others who do not have devotion even though they exhibit great qualities, but they are not useful because they are temporary. They are on the platform of mind, Manoradha. They are platform of the mind, that means they exhibit temporarily based on circumstance, based on their uh, selfish needs. Then only some qualities, good qualities appear temporarily. Whereas for devotees, because they are surrendered surrender to Supreme Lord and they always want to please the uh, Supreme Lord, that's why they exhibit all the divine qualities. That's what we hear in, in the Srimad Bhavatam. And that's exemplified. In Chaitanya Chaitanya also we hear how devotees exhibit 26 wonderful qualities like that. 
is not that devotees have that finite number of 26 qualities, but that's how Prabhupada uh, chose to describe in that section. That those are the qualities, key qualities, chief qualities like that. Of course, out of all of them, one main quality is Krishna Ekasharanam. That is considered as a primary quality and all the other qualities are considered as a subsidiary or supporting qualities or secondary qualities or Tatashtra qualities like that. So now, so that's why uh, Bharat Maharaj being an exalted devotee, he is qualified with the best attributes. And then, so his glory or his honor or his fame is being described also in this verse. What is his fame and glory and honor? The planet itself, where he ruled the kingdom, is known by his name called Bharat Varsha. Generally, uh, people's fame is described when their name is given to a particular street or um, name is given to a particular city even uh, or a particular country in some cases. But then the whole planet was named after him, Bharat Varsha. So we can imagine how much glorious he was and how much glorious his ruling of the kingdom was. But uh, we'll hear that in the coming chapters about how Bharat ruled the kingdom in a responsible manner responsible manner and also with detachment also. We'll hear that in the coming of chapters. So uh, that's what is Prabhupada emphasizing in the purport, uh, two main aspects. One aspect is how, actually you can call it as one aspect also, is focusing on Bharata Varsha. How Bharata Varsha is a Punya Bhumi and currently, it used to be called, whole planet used to be called Bharatvarsha in the past. It was ruled by one emperor at that time. But now, only one portion of the Bharatvarsha, one portion of the planet is called India now. He is describing that portion now. And, is, and so now, then he quotes the verse from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, Adrila, 9th chapter and 4th verse verse. So this verse is describing uh, how anybody, any human being, anyone who, any living being who has taken birth as a human being, specifically as a human being, in the land of India, Bharatvarsha, should make his life successful and then work for the benefit of all other people. So, Prabhupada is focusing on that particular portion that uh, anyone who is born in the, as a human being in the uh, India, especially, is very uh, fortunate. That's one point. And then, so now, he is fortunate. So now, what does he need to do because he is fortunate? He needs to make his own life successful. His or her life successful. That's one aspect. Second thing is, simultaneously, they should work for benefit of all the other people also. So, um, and Prabhupada is concluding in the purport, but how can one purify their existence by accepting the Krishna consciousness movement? And then, then once they accept it, they take up the process themselves, we all can preach the cult of, for the benefit of the whole world, is describing. So, because Prabhupada is uh, emphasizing on this particular portion of the purport, and he is quoting the Chaitanya Chaitanya Adrila, we can uh, discuss from the purport of Adrila that Prabhupada gave also for this particular verse. So basically, there are a few aspects that uh, I am not going to share something new uh, that you all did not know. It's a, in, in, in fact, Srimabhatam discussion allows us to remember uh, what our Acharyas told us so that we can uh, keep it in the foreground, our focus and goal of life and uh, serve the Acharyas, serve Krishna uh, and benefit our, ourselves and then also benefit others. That's the purpose of Srimad Bhattan discussion. So there will not be something fancy that I'm going to share. Whatever we hear from Prabhupada, Whatever we hear from other devotees, I'll share again one more time. So we'll remember, recollect together. And at the end, you can also share your realizations uh, you, and, uh, so that we can all collectively understand and uh, apply in our own life. So now, uh, in the, uh, in the first aspect of this verse, the Chaitanya Chaitanya verse, is how 
people who take birth as human being are very fortunate okay that we can understand little bit so why is people who taking birth on the india are being considered fortunate because india had full vedic culture in full bloom and then even now there are remnants of vedic culture in every household in every person's life there there are very few people who not have some key understanding of vedic culture in india for example just because of for any person to take up krishna consciousness one of the important thing is that the environment in which they are there should support them to have the right amount of bhakti sukriti and also to allow them to practice bhakti so india that is very favorable there is a very favorable environment for that purpose so we'll discuss with more with few points from proper purpose and few of my own realizations so now and basically uh, one of the things is that the basic principles of spiritual life one who is born in india automatically there is superpower calls it because some of the foundational concepts of spiritual life are what that we are a spirit soul we are not this body and that uh, we have a life after this life forget about where we are going but we have a life after this life this not life not this life is not everything most people understand these fundamental concepts in india that we are a soul and we have a life after this life at least they may not have the clarity what will happen after this life where will go what how do we control where do we go they may not have that clarity but at least they understand that this life is not ending here and that means uh, this is not in the life is in end in itself like that and they also have the belief in god they may not know who is god who is the supreme lord they may not know how to serve him they may not know that much detail but at least they know that there is a god and most people believe in god in india and naturally they want to worship uh, supreme lord or his representative somehow or other so this is a natural inheritance for a person born in india proper rights in that purport so these are very uh, great things we think it is ordinary but uh, in one sense these are very essential foundational things for spiritual life because only when i understand that i am not body i am a spirit soul then i will try to do what i should do for as a spirit soul i try to learn what do i need to do as a spirit soul how do i benefit myself as a spirit soul what can i do like that but if i am thinking i am this body and extension extension this body or mind that's called aham amiti consciousness that means then i'll be doing all my desires will be centered around how do i benefit this body how do i make my body very comfortable how do i avoid distress to the body that's what my desires will be centered around and then actually the activity that springs out of the desires will also support those desires that means then i'll be uh, in the karmic cycle of birth and death when i'm only working for my body and our mind even so that's why the soul understanding is important now next understanding is many people in the world think that just this life is there and after this life everything is finished that conception is dangerous why because when there is no next life there is no accountability they feel about it that means whatever they do in this life where they cheat where they hurt others whatever they do they don't they don't mind they don't see any ramifications for that because of that there's no motivation uh, to follow scriptures to understand what how to carry this life properly to have a better next life they don't have such motivations so then that's a dangerous thing so that means what is it why is it dangerous because hurting themselves because they are creating more and more karma to get entangled in birth and death cycle in the material world which is we know as dukkhalayam asasvatam so that conception is also uh, dangerous but then just being born in india most people accept the principle of transmigration 
that means there is a life after this then just by the fact they may not act on it but they at least understand that that much so that's why that's another good fortune of being born in india like that having that foundation understanding then uh, another aspect is people think there's no god so we can do whatever we want uh, i am god you are god like that they think that's a uh, very incorrect understanding and improper understanding so but being born in india of course there are several people in india who also have this misconception currently but at least they understand there is a higher power there is a god at least that means now having this foundational understanding will help help somebody to hear uh, spiritual knowledge from a saintly personality to at least to understand to take up the next step in devotional life like that that's why um, but in uh, india is considered a good fortune that's one of the reasons that propas explaining and the reason propas explains is that there are lots of sacred places holy places of pilgrimage in india like gaya banaras madura prayaga vrindavana haridwara rameshwaram jagannathpuri and still people go there by hundreds and thousands propas right that's another benefit because when we go to holy places there's a lot of potency in the holy places to transform our consciousness to infuse bhakti in us why because the holy places are sacred saints holy devotees pure devotees live in the holy places and pure devotees uh, association in the holy places uh, ideally we should take association of pure devotees and hear from them in the holy places then uh, through them we get the inspiration understanding and realizations that they will pass it on to us to practice devotion service and uh, understand what is the goal of life and practice towards the goal of life and achieve perfection also so of course there are other benefits that are described from going to holy places is purification that comes from going to holy places like taking bath in the sacred rivers and hearing from saintly personalities but the main aspect of going to holy places is not taking bath in the holy places but that is important activity still but main thing proper stresses in different proportions in the bottom is to take association of pure devotees like that so but there's a lot of potency because the supreme lord himself performed past tense there there's a lot of potency in the places especially when we hear from a pure devotee in the same place about the uh, leelas that uh, supreme lord performed there so that is another advantage of being in india like that and then another advantage is propagated rights that india lot of people are inclined to hear from saintly personalities so uh, there is a program that happens propagated rights in the purport that uh, uh, there are people coming in hundreds and thousands of people come to hear that's an advantage because people are naturally inclined to hear about spiritual topics so now uh so now other point propan makes so those are the benefits of uh, coming in india there are some other benefits that not propan doesn't write in the purport like for example most people name their children with the names of the lord uh, majority especially in the olden days that used to be the case fully so then just by chanting the names even though they don't know the meaning of the name they are not thinking about supreme lord when they are chanting the names of their children they are getting benefit and even uh, stores will be krishna medical stores rama medical stores like that store names are also like that and then everywhere you go people have uh, de- temples there are many temples there in india and then many deities everybody has a picture of uh, uh, supreme lord or different uh, demigods at least in the taxis buses wherever we go so these all give them sukriti some kind of sukriti at least and everybody has the culture being born in india many people have the culture of going to temple uh, either daily or weekly or monthly or for festival going to temple and then they have the culture of when you go to temple you take you don't go empty handed you go take some bhoga to the deity uh, you offer something to the deity like that so this culture comes naturally and then especially in the holy places the holy names are vibrated everywhere 
with mics and sound systems these days also. So there's the benefits of being born in India. That's a good fortune. So now, uh, specifically the verse mentioned, good fortune of boy, being born as a human being in India. Why is that so? Because human being, as a human being, we have this special intelligence we know. That is beyond the intelligence of a animal or bird or insect or like that. What is the special intelligence? The special intelligence helps us to understand the spiritual knowledge. Inquire about the spiritual knowledge first from the right people and then understand it and apply it in our life. Whereas, uh, whereas animals, birds, what do they use? They also have sharp intelligence. But their intelligence is used for eating, sleeping, mating and defending we hear commonly. So that's a fact. They don't know how to practice spiritual life, right? So that's why the human being especially is very prominent. Of course, there is another uh, another thing we can think about that uh, if you're born as a dog in India, it is worse than being born uh, as a dog in US. For example, because they take care of the dog nicely most of the cases here. But in India, it's not the case, right? That's another thing we hear. But uh, primarily, uh, human human life is very valuable for us. And especially if you're born in India, we got some special uh, uh, privileges and uh, special environment that we have gotten in and we imbibe some culture that helps us in practicing devotion service. So that's the other aspect uh, we hear about. Now, th this verse that Prabhupada is quoting in this purport has other aspect. Then now what do we do? Because we are fortunate, we just don't become proud. Oh, I am born in India. I am great. We just don't become proud of it. And we just don't become overconfident. But instead, we utilize that human form of life properly so that we get benefited and then also we share, we do the welfare work for others' benefit also. So we'll talk about these aspects now. So how do we, how do we make our life successful? So the verse discuss, we should make our life successful. So Janma Sardaka, that means Sardaka means fulfillment. We need to make our life successful. How do we make our life successful? Our Anything is successful when we fulfill the purpose of that. For example, somebody gives us the gift of a book to read. That gift is successful uh, and we, we properly use the gift when we are reading that book that they gave us as a gift. That's the best use of the gift. Like that, the best gift of human life that we got now, we discussed is uh, proper use of intelligence for purpose of our life. Purpose of our life is to develop Krishna Prema, uh, love for the Supreme Lord. So, in fact, that love is the con life of our consciousness. Like how, how our body, life of our body is the consciousness. Similarly, life of consciousness is the Preeti, our love, our Krishna Prema. That's the highest, uh, highest life uh, that comes for our consciousness. So, uh, there are many ways we can describe what is the goal of life. One way of describing is to uh, obtain Krishna Prema. And the way of describing it is to go back to spiritual world and be engaged in service of Krishna. So, all are correct only. Because when we are engaged in, when we obtain Krishna Prema, we will not sit idle. We will be serving Krishna. Wherever we are, doesn't matter. So, so ultimately, we want to be engaged in pure devotion service. And there are several motivations to do that. One is because our constitution nature is to serve Krishna as a spirit soul. So that is one. Second is that uh, this uh, there is a negative motivation, there is a positive motivation. Negative motivation is this material mo middle world is Dukkalem Asaswadam. It's full of miseries. We hear about threefold miseries. Uh, Adhyatmika Klesha, miseries caused by, caused by my own body and mind. And Adhibhati Klesha, Misery is caused by other living entities towards me. Other living entities can be human beings, insects, uh, animals, birds, whatever. Anything can cause, like virus, bacteria, anything can cause miseries for us. And then third kind of misery described in scriptures is Adi Devika Klesha. That means misery is caused by natural disturbances, like floods, too much heat, too much cold, uh, earthquakes, all those kinds of disturbances. So, these miseries we cannot avoid in this material world. And 
and uh, this is a temporary place so that's the negative motivation why if you go back to spiritual world then we can avoid this that's a negative motivation but there's a positive motivation also the positive motivation is that um, our we are hankering for a love towards krishna like we discussed the real life we get as a soul is when we get love for krishna so when we are engaged in our uh, service towards krishna then we get happiness even here in this material world also and we get happiness uh, by after at the end of this life when we go back to spiritual world also and is described when we are serving krishna we get so much happiness actually while we practice bhakti as we cultivate the taste towards devotional service more and more we can feel the happiness here also and when we go back to spiritual world we are in complete bliss is described our bliss is not uh, not a limited quantity in fact our bliss is actually increasing and increasing and increasing and is unlimited there is no limit to it and uh, we hear in chetan chetamta also like how uh, devotees in spiritual world krishna lila they serve krishna and they feel happy why they are feeling happy when they see krishna being pleased they are happy and then when they are happy krishna feels even more happier to see them happy then when when they see krishna's happiness they feel even more happiness that's how the happiness goes on increasing in spiritual world even though we are serving krishna we are actually benefited from that service uh, even though we are not thinking how do we benefit from this at that time when we go to spiritual world we are actually benefited from the service so we are happily situated in devotional service so so to make our life successful there are so many classes are there so many scriptures are there so many things are there but i'll summarize few elements of foundation elements that prabhupada and our acharyas emphasize in our life to make our life successful what are those first thing is have devotee association regularly that is the first thing and then uh, ideally it's called sadhu sangha sadhu sangha means we take the association of the pure devotees how do you take association of pure devotees by hearing the recorded lectures or live lectures from them or by reading scriptures like for example we are reading from purports of srila uh, prabhupada in bhagavatam and and uh, chedan charitamrita then we taking direct association of krupa through that also so that is the main sadhu sangha we need to take the association from pure devotees that i specifically mentioning that uh, for a reason then that does that mean that we don't take association of anybody less than pure devotee no we to take association of others who are also in the path of devotion service but with the understanding that they may have some faults but but they are working on it and they are also having some realization some imperfect realizations also that's okay we all support each other to grow in our devotion service and we need that support actually we just not only need the pure devotee association to get the right realization right inspiration to practice devotion service we need support of each other also who are practicing devotion service because there are so many people in the world who are going in opposite direction they don't know what is devotion service they don't have interest in devotion service so just the fact somebody accepts the goal of devotion service even though they may not be perfect even though they may have so many faults they are still so much valuable and respectable for us but we may not take close associations of everybody but we respect everybody and value association of devotees so much so then when we actually sometimes when we hear from pure devotee we get some understanding but when we hear from a pure devotee we actually get the practical understanding also because sometimes for some of us we may not be at the level to understand and appreciate everything we hear from pure devotee but one good thing is whatever pure devotee speaks is so valuable that we our consciousness is purified even if we don't understand still is purifying but then when we hear from a pure devotee who has little bit more experience than us who has little bit more realization than us then we actually gets so much inspiration also through that and then we can actually practically apply how they are practicing devotional service we can also gain inspiration and practically apply in our life also 
that's why association with other devotees also is valuable especially some devotees with little bit more realization than others and then third thing that is important for us to grow same again in the sadhusanga principle only to have a mentor who is a little bit senior to us who has got more experience than us who has gone got more realization than us so that they can share how to handle practical circumstances in life so that our devotion will increase so that we can make one more step towards krishna that's also very important to us so so far we discussed sadhu sangha importance of pure devotee association pure devotee association and having a mentor association this is very foundational for our spiritual life now next thing is uh, and the importance of sadhana and seva so sadhana uh, is a broad term but uh, it primarily boils down to few activities that our acharyas recommended that we follow in a, in a, in their footsteps like chanting the holy name every day getting up early in the morning chanting the holy name every day preferably in the morning like many of you are doing in the uh, every day chant conference call uh, chanting every day in the morning uh, in association of devotees the holy name and hearing it properly and try to avoid offenses in our life so that we can chant pu- as purely as we can at this time so then uh, chanting with a prayerful mood chanting seeking the mercy of krishna chanting requesting krishna to accept us like that we are in- we are involving not only the body and the senses in the chanting but also our mind and intelligence also in chanting and also our heart in chanting so by being in prayerful mood and by chanting with feelings and by giving our best attention we can master to krishna we chant our holy name and then uh, in one sense all the other devotional activities we do are supporting that chanting like even this uh, simple bhagavatam reading chaitanya chaitanya reading or hearing scriptures hearing from devotees they are all supporting us to nurture our faith in the holy name to nurture our faith in krishna to nurture our faith in bhakti to nurture our faith in bhaktas like that and then also it gives us a uh, bhakti or devotion in the activities that we perform so that way uh, we uh, all these activities whether it is the deity worship or uh, reading scriptures hearing scriptures all of, all of that will give us a right sambandha gnana so that we can chant the holy name properly with the right mood and then seva so doing service is also important for devotees because when we do services uh two broad things i'll mention one is uh, is easy to engage our body compared to mind and intelligence so that way we are getting purified through service and krishna is pleased uh, that we are at least engaging the body is best to engage our mind all and intelligence also while doing service but at least bodily activities also will help us uh, to get the mercy of krishna that is one reason second reason is by serving vaishnavas and krishna we actually get realizations of whatever sadhana we are performing whatever uh, hearing we doing reading we are doing so the service will help us to develop the right qualities to practice devotion service so they go hand in hand for example if we distribute books we get uh, humility tolerance uh, all these qualities will de- we don't expect respect from others we give respect to others like that so now the, that's how we can perform sadhana and the last aspect for today is in the service is to reach out to others in whatever capacity we have we can tell them go to temple every week attend this conference call every day uh, or uh, come to this devotee home or uh, worship offer some fruit every day to your pictures deity pictures offer some flower every day to deity pictures i learned about this chanting of the holy name please chant this holy name this will make you happy like that what and take this book of prabhupada and read so you'll understand purpose of life or come to this association of bhakti vishaya every week like that in different way according to our capacity we can share with others this uh, valuable knowledge of krishna consciousness and the benefit of following the path of krishna consciousness to others that is the best welfare activity we can do more than giving them food more than giving them something material if you give them something about the krishna consciousness if you connect them with something with krishna consciousness that is the highest welfare vibe work we can do that is the paro- best paropakar we can do as described in this verse so we can talk a lot on this topic 
uh, I kept it simple and whatever my realization allows, that much only I could share, whatever I could share. But uh, I'm happy to hear your realizations and your comments on this. We can all uh, grow in devotion together and practice by application of whatever we know, whatever we understood from devotees. So I'll pause here today and uh, we'll be eager to hear about your comments or questions uh, to enrich this topic that we're discussing. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much, Prabhu, for wonderfully summarizing Prabhupada uh, lectures and all the senior Vaishnavas lectures and um, also uh, detailing them in points. Um, it was really, really wonderful to hear. Um, thank you so much. Uh, devotees, have any questions or comments or feedback? Uh, please um, go ahead and uh, say Hare Krishna Prabhuji, Mandanat Pranam to you, Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai, Guru Maharaj Ki Jai. Thank you so much. Like Mataji said, wonderful class. And you came after a short break. So, you know, uh, uh, when I heard your voice, I suddenly remembered, yes, <laughs> Prabhuji has given uh, actually a lot of classes before also. But then uh, today was very, very nice uh, class. And uh, actually, whenever I read this words, I feel very, very uh, uh, proud that, you know, being from India and then born in India, but at the same time, I also feel very guilty because, you know, like uh, it's so strongly mentioned in uh, CC that Chaitanya uh, Charitamrit that, you know, we have to uh, give this to others. Uh, you know, we, we were born in India, so we, we are really, we are very fortunate. And even if, um, you know, like we were not uh, raised in Krishna consciousness, like some people are raised in Krishna consciousness, still, you know, um, like I remember... Uh, my, uh, you know, there used to be a big picture of Hanumanji in the village uh, in Meerut because I'm from UP and, uh, you know, my father's side. So, you know, uh, they used to be like, a, my dada and dadi have a, like, a, they had a very big, usko thoda wo lagate the, like orange color ka, you know. And then they used to put it on, the, on our head and they would, uh, mm. uh, it's not exactly Abhishek, but they would put something on the, uh, to refresh the deities, you know, uh, like that. And uh, also, like, uh, you know, that's, uh, I mean, my dada and dadi were doing that. And my parents were also uh, definitely uh, imbibing uh, this culture, but of, uh, you know, bowing down to someone or the other, but they were like professionals in the sense that teachers and my father was an engineer, mother was a teacher, so both of them were like busy in their life, you know, and especially being in Delhi. But then I remember I saw my grandparents from my mother's side and uh, my, uh, you know, my Nanaji was R.S. Samaji and uh, he would have a havan every month in his, uh, you know, courtyard like thing. And uh, they had made a very, very uh, big house in a very good area. Uh, but, you know, the house was designed in such a way that the house had uh, like cows there and they, you know, they had, there was an angan where they did the havan. And uh, because my, my grandmother was from the village uh, and, you know, although uh, sometimes how, uh, you know, husband and wife, they come from a different background. So my Nanaji was R.S. Maji, like, you know, proper. And my, even my, his eldest son would follow that. But then my mother, my grandmother was coming from, uh, you know, a background where she had a, a mandir, you know, in which there was a big picture of Lord Shiva and uh, like a Krishna and Hanumanji, you know, and uh, then she would take a bath and, uh, you know, put agarbatti every time. Every day she would make sure she take a bath in the morning, wash her clothes uh, on her own, and then she would, uh, uh, you know, take, uh, like, put agarbatti. So, yeah, like you mentioned in the class, right? Like, uh, I mean, we are coming from a background where even if it's not like, you know, the Krishna conscious uh, you know, way, but there is, there is some aspect, some aspect is there in which we are inclined towards, uh, you know, seeing our uh, grandparents especially. I wouldn't say my parents, but my father was also actually very, very religious and uh, he, uh, wherever he was uh, posted, you know, he, he would uh, never want an accommodation because he was a mechanical engineer and he was in railways. He never wanted a big palatial accommodation because sometimes we all were not there with him. 
but he was always eager to have uh, you know like some place given to him where there uh, there is a temple he can go in the morning and uh, you know so it's always like um, it's amazing and uh, also where we stayed uh, you know we used to hear the ye namaz hota hai na namaz morning mein they read the namaz early morning oh yeah you know the brahmur at night <laughs> so, yeah it's like you know and uh, you know your class made me remind me that uh, all this we have seen right basically but then you know the krishna consciousness did not come but still there was always like you know god is there god is there who's god we don't know <laughs> so yeah i just want to share some realizations like that which you know uh, because my parents had a very very busy life in the you know city and uh, delhi and but um, you know like uh, from our grand grandparents because every holiday we would go there spring break summer break and then we would observe our grandparents and you know like uh, uh, although my my nana was ar samaji but then you know he would uh, uh, it was a, it was a, like a very nice mixture you know like a, i sometimes call it in a, in a negative way a hodgepodge <laughs> uh because you know my nana ji was although arya samaj ji but he would read uh, this book uh, you know from the gurudware it's called sukmani sahib he always read that books i don't know some guru told him that to read it and then he would always rise up very early in the morning very early in the morning he would rise up and uh, i would sometimes see him sitting down and meditating now meditating on whom i don't know <laughs> so you know so you just kind of refreshed yeah. my memories uh, prabhu ji yeah i went back to my grandparents and i visited all uh, my past uh, because uh, yeah we have seen all this and uh, so then you know when krishna consciousness came to our life you know uh, it was like the best thing because um, uh, you know and especially the hari krishna mahamantra and we were just discussing on the call day before yesterday when mataji was saying that um, she she the disciple of shri prabhupad uh, jayashri mataji and she said that when first time she started chanting she felt as if you know krishna is there with her uh, you know through the holy name she felt as if krishna is there with her and she expressed that to shri prabhupad and shri prabhupad was like uh, uh, i'm not i'm not exactly sure if i'm giving the right interpretation but shri prabhupad was very happy or, or happy or something like that you know so mm. she so i was also telling her that yes when i started chanting it was such a wonderful feeling because uh, you know it's like um, uh, we've never had this kind of a mantra meditation in our life you know because we always um, in indian culture we always sit quietly and then just uh, you know contemplate on the uh, just like krishna would contemplate on himself in the krishna book right so we mm-hmm. were contemplating on ourselves only because we were so self centered based <laughs> and somewhere along the line we always felt that you know yes uh you know god is inside of me i am very great everyone should uh you know uh, everyone should like praise me and uh, you know all these uh, these negative qualities were there but then when we came into krishna consciousness we realized you know through the shishtashtakam and so many other teachings that we have to be humble we don't have to expect anything all the praise goes to the guru and wonderful things came you know like uh, so 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 thankful to chila prabhupad so just wanted to share this prabhu ji like you were saying in the class we can share a realization yes, so yes. some some <laughs> you know i would say not very strong but weak realizations are there and uh, i always like to uh, you know glorify my family because uh, i know that uh, you know each and every member in my family has uh, uh, you know help me in my spiritual life that i when i reach this point uh, so you know each and every member of mine i remember because uh, they have already always uh, and you know like one of our uh, uh, one of my uh, our driver you know uh, his name was narayan you know how we keep names you uh, mentioning exactly yeah nice yeah yeah and i remember having met uh, you know uh, I, i remember having met his mother and uh, i asked him i said but what a wonderful name you have kept for your son i was very small that time yeah and i didn't even know that narayan is another <laughs> you know we know the uh, whole ajamal story comes in front of me through bhagavatam uh. but uh, even a small person like a driver or you know like dhobi wala and uh, they have names you know like um, uh, ram and hanuman and all these names are there yes, correct correct yeah so it's like so in, 
yeah, it's so inbuilt. This culture is so inbuilt, and I think this is the reason why Lord Chaitanya is like telling us that you were born in a place where you know it's not like you're not aware uh, of these names. Krishna has so many wonderful names, and uh, yeah. like in the Shishtashtikam, it says no, like um, I think the second one that it's just that I don't have the taste, but Krishna has come transcendently in His name. As Govinda and Krishna, I'm not able to say the whole translation, but yeah, uh, yeah. so uh, you know, it's um, amazing that um, uh, like um, yeah, yeah, we're very fortunate, you know, that. But one thing comes to my mind is like, uh, so what if the Indians who have come here and you know they have they are they have given birth to children here and they're raising them. So are they a little bit less fortunate or? Uh, uh, we have to still consider them fortunate as long as they are from a devotee family. How do we understand that? Like for example, uh, you know, there are so many uh, children born here in the movement. Their yeah. parents are from India. Right. So is it like, we, do we have to really consider birth as uh, paying more emphasis on that? Oh, okay. Now this so-and-so is devotee, but the child is born here, not in India. So what will they preach? Because you know, like how Prabhupada yeah. said, this place is like, so many milachas are there and uh, yeah. it's completely submerged in, um, you know, so uh, can you share a little bit this aspect also? It always yeah. intrigues my mind Absolutely. that, you know, and, and I don't want to be proud about it because, you know, I came to this country, but my both my daughters were also born in India yeah. and we got them here. So they are like, uh, I mean, touch wood <laughs> or uh, that, you know, yeah. they both are in Krishna consciousness, but I'm just saying that like, isn't it very, uh, like, uh, those people cannot preach who are born here, the children in America? Oh, no, not like that, yeah. So basically, okay. yeah. what context is saying then? Yeah, basically, uh, what this is coming is, people born in India has a, a greater fortune in the sense that uh, they got the environment of uh, Krishna consciousness and Vedic culture at least. That is the point being made here. And then, so now, our ultimately great fortune is, uh, how are we using that fortune? If you use that fortune of being born in Krishna uh, in India to make our life successful, practice Krishna consciousness sincerely and seriously, and then help others, then that is the real fortune benefit of having fortune. Now, if the children born here, so definitely they are less fortunate in the sense that they don't have the environment where everybody's names are. Uh, uh, de, de, uh, Krishna's names, everybody doesn't have understanding of the soul and all these foundation principles we talked about, right? Definitely mm -hmm. less fortunate in that sense. But they're fortunate if the if we as parents can create a devotional environment for them. So in that sense, they're still fortunate uh, to that extent that they have a devotional environment because children take up to Krishna consciousness when their environment is proper for them. When everybody around them is taking Krishna consciousness, when everybody around them is in Krishna consciousness and they are happy in Krishna consciousness, when they see that my mother is happy in Krishna consciousness, my father is happy in Krishna consciousness, that is the real way they take it up, uh, internally. Externally they might be chanting, whatever. But then when they see that Krishna consciousness brings happiness, and then they will really take it up. So still in that sense, they are not uh, misfortunate. They are still fortunate because the devotee parents are there like that, Mathai. Devotional environment is there, but still less fortunate in the sense that they don't have the outside environment cooperative to devotion service like they will, like in India it is there more more than uh, here like that in that sense Mate, yeah. Thank you Prabhuji and Prabhuji one more thing you mentioned is yes. that we go to a dham now so we get purified there yes. but the real purification is association of devotees and hearing uh, katha right uh, yes Mate, so, yeah yeah but that's only possible suppose we go to Vrindavan. Krishna Balram Temple, that is only possible in Vrindavan, uh, in uh, Krishna Balram Temple. If we visit, like, uh, I went in 2019, other temples, they're just like deities are there, you go, to, you know, pay obeisances. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not any classes going on, or, or there are other sampradayas too, you know, where you don't see that environment. Yeah, so correct. when we talk about this, it's only that we should make sure that we should get a schedule of what's going, because I know every time in... Uh, Yesterday I was hearing uh, that in the Krishna Balram temple they have wonderful uh, Bhagavatam class in the morning. Mm -hmm. So one should attend that Mangal Arti and everything and then one can visit other uh, sightseeing places, right? I mean, 
go around yeah. Uh, look, yeah. Yes, so yeah. Um, so that's what it is like. I mean, uh, just stay connected to devotees. Don't think that it's like a dham, so we have to do sightseeing here. Uh-huh, right? Exactly, you've got the point. Yes, exactly. That's not yeah, the yeah. essence of going to the Brindavan dam or any dam. Yes. So Prabhuji, like, uh, you know, I know in uh, this Prabhupada made this temple, Krishna Balram temple, they call Goroka temple, you know, they say that. And uh, like Americans are there and uh, like because everyone is there. So what about other places like Barsana and other places? There also Prabhupada uh, has set up like Jagannath Puri. Like I don't know because I um, just went one time to this place and I plan to go again next year. Uh, so other places also, uh, Shri Prabhupada has set up like in Barsana, Mathura and uh, Jagannath Puri and all. Do, they, do we have like a uh, ISKCON temple? No, I'm not aware of uh, ISKCON temple in Madura and other places, Mathai. Okay. Also, I am not aware of any discontable. Maybe it is there. I do not know. But uh, what we, what devotees do is, when they go to holy mm. places like this, uh, one aspect that you mentioned is, they don't miss the class that is there from a uh, few mm. devotees at that time. That is number one. They arrange the schedule in such a way that they can hear a class like you described. Second thing mm. is, they take association of a devotee who is following a pure devotee. may not be pure devotee. If you get the best opportunity, like going to Yatra with a few devotees, that's the best. Mm-hmm. But if you're not able to do that for some reason, then you take the association of devotee who is following that few devotee. Then what happens is, when we go into seeing places, uh, what we see and what we value is, the, is based on what we hear and what we understand. For example, if I understand glories of Govardhan Giri, uh, before going to see Govardhan Giri, when I go to Gordon Giri, when I see it, I will get respect and worshipful attitude in my heart, naturally. And so, so basically, we go with a devotee who knows, uh, who knows about those pastime places, who knows about the pastimes, and uh, in proper sampradaya, of course. Then, that way, when they are sharing that, then we see with that vision what we are hearing. Then, that way, uh, that is what leads to purification, Mati. Because we then we treat them properly, not as a spiritual, not as a material things like that. So that is a so go with a devotee wherever you're going, Mathi. That is a, what is recommended for going. Yes, to we, uh, you know, we collect collectively. We get strength from each other. Very, very yeah. true. Uh, recently, there was one devotee is in the Krishna house, and he went after a long time uh, to India. But then he went, didn't go alone. He went with four or five other devotees from Krishna house. And, uh, you know, so they're traveling uh, to different places. And I thought probably he'll go alone and then he'll stay with his parents who are in Delhi. But uh, it's so nice that he went with a group of devotees from here only. They all planned it together and uh, they'll come back together. And, you know, so now they're doing Parikrama at uh, this place, um, you know, Govardhan and uh, places like that. So, and it's so nice, actually, devotees from America, they get very excited because... uh, you know, when they read scriptures here and when they go and actually see, you know, yeah. uh, you know the different, uh, like, samadhis and others, so they get very excited. So I was seeing his video on the Facebook, uh, you know, how uh, he gives classes, but then, you know, he's an association of devotees, and uh, that's nice. So, 